Well, hello there, Dr. Nicole here. I am thrilled to share something incredible with you today. Imagine having a treasure trove of informative, entertaining, and empowering video content about the journey to parenthood right at your fingertips. That's exactly what you get with Informed Pregnancy Plus. For less than 25 cents a day, you'll gain access to a vast subscription library filled with documentary films, web series, mind and body fitness programs, workshops, and courses covering fertility to parenting and everything in between. A few of my favorite titles are The Business of Being Born, Empowered Mama, Belly Dance for Birth, Ease into Sleep, The Afterbirth Plan, and The Core Connection. And here's the best part. For a limited time, you can gain full access absolutely free. Just visit informedpregnancy.tv to sign up. Get Informed Pregnancy Plus right now for your informed and empowered parenting journey, all from the comfort of your home. Visit informedpregnancy.tv. Again, that's informedpregnancy.tv. Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. It's birth story time. You are going to enjoy this episode with Dr. Uchena Ume. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN physician, certified integrative health coach, and creator of the Birth Preparation Course, an online childbirth education class that will leave you feeling knowledgeable, prepared, confident, and empowered going into your birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only, and it's not a substitute for medical advice. See the full disclaimer at ncrcoaching.com forward slash disclaimer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, and thank you for spending some time with me today. 
On this episode of the podcast, we have a birth story, and I have Dr. Uchana Ume, or Dr. Lulu, as her patients fondly call her. She is a Nigerian-born, board-certified pediatrician with nearly 30 years of clinical experience. She likes to call herself a momatrician or a grand doctor to all of her patients who she has adopted along the way in her practice. She doesn't practice actually these days. Today, she focuses on helping teens navigate mental health issues with depression and anxiety and self-harming behavior, all to help prevent teen suicide. She especially focuses on this in the minority community. So she helps parents and their children navigate these waters of bullying and depression, again, so they don't end up as victims of, of suicide. Dr. Lulu lives in San Antonio, Texas with her wife and life partner, Linda, and their three sons, two of whom are now in college, and they also have a rat terrier mix. Now, although it's been some years since Dr. Lulu gave birth, you are going to find that what she talks about is helpful and relatable. You'll see that some things about birth are really constant over time. She also has a very lovely voice and such a great energy, and you are going to enjoy hearing from her. Now, before I get into the episode, let me give a quick shout out to everyone who has joined me from hearing me on the evidence-based birth podcast. I've heard from lots of folks who heard me there and have now come to check out my podcast. So thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here. Evidence-Based Birth is a great resource. It's a website that has unbiased research-based information for pregnancy and birth. It's something that I refer to very often as a great um, place for information for pregnant women. And the founder was kind enough to have me on her podcast. So go check out her podcast. It's called Evidence-Based Birth, guys, if you haven't heard of it before. But again, thank you to the folks who have found me through hearing me on that show. And I'm actually going to have the founder of Evidence-Based Birth, Rebecca Decker, on the podcast next week. Okay, so let's get back to this week's episode of the podcast. It's a birth story episode. You're going to enjoy it. So without further ado, let's hear from Dr. Lulu about her three birth stories. Hi, Ochana. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning. Good morning to you too. And I mentioned in the introduction that you're a pediatrician, but today you're really talking about your experience, not so much as a pediatrician, but your experience as a woman who has given birth. So how, do we, how about we start with you telling us a little bit about you and your family? So I am um, was married to my ex-husband um, for 13 years, and then we got divorced, and I'm remarried. I have a wife now, okay. and we've been married for about five years. We're going to be six years this June, this July, June, July. And we have three boys between the two parents both my ex-husband and my wife. Um, so the three boys, the oldest is 21, the middle guy is 18, and then the baby is 14. So we have that semi-blended family. Their dad lives in Maryland. He doesn't visit too often, but he's in the, he's in their lives. And then, of course, my wife is the excellent aunt, the one that always lets them get away with everything. So, <laughs> but it's it's working, and we like we like that. Okay. So now, how many children have you personally given birth to? All three boys are mine. All three boys are yours. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, give us a little summary about each one of your births. 
So my first son was obviously my first birth and he came in on time. I think he was like seven days late or something like that. But otherwise he was pretty much on time. I had no epidural for any of my children. For the first boy, I was going to get the epidural, but by the time I guess I went in <clears throat> labor and then they, they, um, well, I thought I was in labor. It was my first labor, but I thought I was in labor and the ladies were like, no, you're not in labor. You've got to walk around. And that's a pretty common thing that happens when women think for their first time that they're in labor, but they're, they're actually not quite yet. So I went, I, so I walked around maybe, I don't know, a couple of hours and then we came back and I said, okay, we'll check you and see if you've dilated a little bit. And if you haven't, then you can go home. And then I went from, you're not in labor to, oh my God, you're fully dilated. What? Oh, wow. So there was no, there was no time <laughs> to get epidural which was um, the original plan was to get a epidural, but then there was no time. It was like, oh my God, um, we got to get the doctor. I'm like, what? Yeah, I told you guys I was hurting. Wow. Something like that. Wow. And then he came. So because I didn't get an epidural with him, I decided not to get an epidural with the other two. So that's how come I'm a natural birther. <laughs> it was kind of by design, I guess right. it was meant to happen. Yes, ma'am. Right, right. And with his brother, well, when I was, he was due September 12th. I remember that because of the September 11th, but also because my sister-in-law was born on September 11th. So she kept making a big fuss. Oh, I know he's going to come on my birthday. But somewhere along the line, a friend of mine, another doctor, actually the first suicide in my life, took her life uh, about six weeks before his due date. Oh. And so that threw me into labor, early labor. I didn't I didn't think it was real. I was like, no, he's too it's too soon, it's six weeks. Wow. And then so I got ready to go to work. I was like, I'm cramping-ish, but you know, it can't really be labor. I mean, not this early. I get to the parking lot and my water breaks. And I was in private practice. I had my own practice. My ex-husband was taking me to work that day because some days we ride together, some days we don't. But either way, my water breaks in the parking. I'm like, what the Oh my God. Okay. It's real labor. So he ran into the office, told the girls that I wasn't going to be able to come. And then we flew because of the experience with the other boy. We flew. Right. We lived in, in Lancaster, South Carolina, which is about 30 minutes away from Charlotte, North Carolina. And we had already mapped it out that I was going to have the baby in, in Charlotte, which is well, Pineville, a, sub, a suburb. There was a hospital there. So we flew to the hospital. Oh my God. I was like, my water broke. And this is what happened the last time as far as, you know, the baby came within so many hours. And so we need to, you know, be on standby. Don't you know, 23 hours later, <laughs> 23 hours of labor. And then the lady was like, ma'am, you just, you know, I said, no, I don't want the epidural. It's okay. I've already done this. She came in, she saw me. I remember I was chewing gum and watching Lifetime. Right. And she said, there's a sight. She said, you're chewing gum and watching Lifetime <laughs> and your contractions are off the chart. I remember she's like, you in pain? I said, I'm in pain. I'm okay. I'm, I can take this. And then she checked and she's like, okay, you see, I have a thick cervix. And, um, but the head is there. I can feel the head. Oh, he's got a head full of hair. I said, I know I felt the heartburn. <laughs> and then I was like, can I please just push? Because they were like, if you do 24 hours of labor, we're going to have to do a C-section because it's, it's just that it's not, I said, please, I don't want to be cut. Could I please push? I was like, no, you have a thick rim. I was like, hmm, I really want to push because I really don't want to have a C-section. Right. And so I said, okay, ma'am, can we at least try? She said, okay, well, let her get the doctor and let's try. She said, but I really don't advise it. And the doctor came and said, oh, my God, doctors make the worst patients. I remember all the conversations. Mm. She's like, they make the worst patients. I said, please, I don't want to be 
C-section. Okay, let's try. Since he's early, his head might be small. He might be able to make it through. And so I took three solid pushes and mm-hmm. the little guy came out. Wow. <laughs> yes, ma'am. He, weighed, he came in at six pounds even. Oh, okay. He was a small baby. I mean, relatively speaking, his brother was 6'12". Okay. But he came in at six pounds even. So he wasn't really that small, but he was, but he was, he showed that he showed that he was a preemie because he was like, I'm not going to breathe. I was like, what? (laughs) What do you mean you're not going to breathe? The rest is, you know, postpartum and the baby was okay. He's acting like a preemie. He doesn't want to eat. He should have the usual stuff. Right. Right. But, um, after five days we went home with him. So he wasn't too bad. He was, he was like, he came in early, but he, he turned around pretty fast. Okay. Okay. And I will say just for the listeners, that is something that we used to do in obstetrics is after 24 hours of your water being broken, um, very often a C-section would happen, but that is not the way we, most people practice these days. So thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Now what about your third one? My third boy was, I mean, I think when I got over the shock of having a third boy in a row, because (laughs) I bought this book, actually I didn't buy it. My friend sent it to me from New York. It was called, this is your body or it's your body. Do you know about that book? I'm not familiar with that one. Well, it's your body. It's yeah, it's called, it's your body. And in the book, it tells you what to do if you want to have a girl. And what you do if you want to have a boy, like what time of the month to engage in sex and all these things right. and how to put you. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to, because this was four years later. I was like, okay, I'm going to take a chance and see if I can have that girl. Right. So I did everything the book said. And then I'm not one to have an ultrasound to check the sex. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to check the sex. I didn't check the sex for the first two. I'm not going to check the sex. Right. And then my ex- oh, so it was a ex- surprise ex- both times. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes. Well, okay. well, ish, ish, because my ex and my ex husband wanted to know. Gotcha. So they told him what it was, and I could tell from his reaction because he was so excited. I'm like, oh my god, I just know he's another boy. I just know he's another boy, you know. So I kind of put myself into pre-postpartum depression ish because I was like, I don't want to have another boy. I mean, I love my kids, of right. course, but I just I wanted a girl so badly. I had quote unquote done everything I was supposed to do, and I didn't I didn't know the sex of the baby till I had him, because we had picked the name, we had picked Christina, right? My my ex. He went with, he just went along with it. Right. And I Tina, and then when the baby came out, he did a long pee. And then the doctor said, well, I guess it's not Christina. I was like, what? Oh my goodness. <laughs> that takes a lot for you to admit. You know, a lot of people may not admit that you maybe were a little bit disappointed yes, at the time. Yes. And I did go into full, full blown postpartum depression. I really did. Mm. I did. I, mm. I really wanted a girl because I didn't want to have another child. I was 36 and you know, they kept telling me, oh, advanced maternal age. And I wanted just three children. I had my tubes tied because that was a plan. And I was, I was okay. After a while, my mom came and talked some Nigerian sense into my head. She was like, look, you have a healthy child and reminded me that one of my siblings, um, one of the twins didn't make it. And it took a lot of my mom though. It was my mother that she did the magic. She talked me into, listen, it's already done. It's here. Let's just Right. Well, I just feel like we got a lot we can talk about about your three <laughs> different birth experiences. Yes, man. This one was very good. <laughs> 
Did you know that 95% of pregnant women are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s? Enter Ritual, their prenatal contains 350 milligrams of eco-friendly vegan omega-3 DHA in every serving. One of the reasons I like Ritual is that it's a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. In addition to those omega-3 DHAs to support baby's brain development, Ritual also has choline and methylated folate to support baby's neural tube development. And the capsules feature a delayed release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. Why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women Prenatal to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole for 25% off. Um, so how about, well, let's kind of back it up a little bit. And how did you feel during your prenatal care? I presume, did you go see physicians for your care? Yes, ma'am. I did. I did physicians all through With with the first child, you know, it's exciting. It's your first baby. Yeah. I just finished residency. I still live in the DC area cause I went to Howard. And, um, then during that transition, we moved to, no, no, I'm sorry. He was born in Maryland. Yeah. So I still lived in the Maryland area and I went to, I think it was Holy Cross hospital. It was a good experience. I didn't have, it was just exciting first baby. I mean, I did everything that he wanted to do, but I had that excessive salivation and I had that taste, that nasty, metallic taste. So I used to drink a lot of um, what my ex-husband used to call my pacifier. I had a a little container with me. And to this date, I always have water with me from that baby just to swallow that spit. So I used to drink a lot of um, lemonade um, and I'll put a lot of sugar just to help me swallow the the spit. And don't you know, my blood sugar went up and I had gestational diabetes. And the doctor was like, well, so you have gained 37 pounds. I just want you to know that only seven of those is your baby. And I was like, oh my God, I remember that. <laughs> you just remember what they tell you. You said only seven of those is your baby. Right, so right. more weight you gain, you know, it's not, your baby is not going to be necessarily bigger and you need to kind of watch it with the sugar. So I did have gestational diabetes with him. Otherwise, when he was, when we went for our Down syndrome test, I forget the name of it. The trisom- right. They said he had trisomy 21 that was very hard, you know. Yeah, how did you feel in that, that moment? That's very hard. My ex-husband is a typical African-Nigerian alpha male. Well, you know, I'm going to have the baby. Nothing is going to happen to my son. It, it's my son. And, well, so I, to me, the doctor, the pediatrician, I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do if my first child has Down syndrome? Right. So they said, well, man, but we can, they, they gave me the option to have the um the um, neosynthesis, is that what it's called now? Uh-huh, neosynthesis, yeah. So we went, at, I think, 20 weeks or something, and then they did it. And it was under, under um, I guess, the, the video. We could watch the video. But anyway, I was able to watch the whole thing as they were doing it, right? And so when they put the needle, you could actually, I saw the needle, like, you know, come up. And then I saw the needle, I guess, poke his little knee. Oh, 
And don't you know, he had the swift response. And right there, I said, he doesn't have Down syndrome. I, I just said, <laughs> it. I was like, there's no way that kid is that, you know, he had this abrupt, I said, he doesn't have, I said it out loud. I was like, he doesn't have Down syndrome. Right. And they're like, okay, well, we just have to wait till the results came. And then the results came out and he was fine. Okay. And don't you know, he's, a, he's at Stanford. I was like, okay, he does not have Down syndrome. <laughs> but that was, that was, I think, um, besides the blood sugar, um, scare and then th that little amniotic amniosynthesis experience. The pre pregnancy was good. I craved mangoes a lot, um, and I ate a lot of mangoes. But other than that, I think he 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 came in with without too much drama. Okay, okay. And just for the listeners, just really quick, the condition she was talking about, where you feel like you have excessive spit. The name is blanking me at the moment, but it's this unusual condition where some women feel like they just. They'll they'll often carry around a cup. Yes, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I didn't want to spit, so I had to so to to yep. curb that. I right. just I just right. drank. I just drank. I used yeah. to drink a lot of Sprite, then the, the gas got too much, so I just drank the lemon. I discovered the lemonade helped me. But yeah, so, but I, I just didn't want to be that person that spat in a cup. Or right, right. <laughs> and then, so that one went okay. And then you come to your second pregnancy. I was going to ask, one of the questions I was going to ask was, how did you prepare to give birth without an epidural? But it sounds like you just, it just kind of happened to you. It happened, a... yes, ma'am. It was not planned. I do have a relatively high pain threshold. And at the back of my mind, I was like, I don't like needles on my back. And that is the truth. I don't like needles, period. Right, right. But, um, but I didn't get a chance to to process it. They told me, so, ma'am, if we give it to you now, you're just going to have epidural and your baby's going to come out anyway. And you're just going to have like epidural for a, a long time. And it's not going to really help with the process. I had already right. kind of gone through the pain. Gotcha. So yeah, and a lot of women, oh, sometimes women have that experience with the first where they couldn't get an epidural, and the second time around, they're like, "Oh no, I'm going to get that epidural." <laughs> but sometimes <laughs> women decide, you know what, I did it the first time. Maybe I can do it the next time. What was your thinking, or did you just straight away say, "I, I can, I'm gonna just go for it without the epidural again"? Yes, ma'am. That's what I did. I, I said to myself, you know, I don't like needles anyway. That's a very, very strong stimulus right there. And then I was like, I already did it with the first. There's no way this one can be can be that bad. And indeed, after 23, I, like I said, I just psyched myself up. The woman in the next cubicle was she was carrying on and it was I, I, I laughed about it to myself. I was like, well, at least that's not me, you know, to myself. You know, right. like, I was in pain. I mean, but I just I just didn't. I didn't, I just didn't think about it. I, I focused on watching TV and reading and when the contractions will come, I'll just breathe, you know, do the stuff they tell you to do. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. But I remember she came in that she had left me that the night before or something. And then she came back for her. She says, you're still here 23 hours. Okay. That's it. You know? And I was like, what? No, I don't want to do that. Right. So, Did you yeah. ever get discouraged during that time? About the epidural? About it taking so long compared to your first one. No, because I kept always thinking the next hour is going to be the hour and then okay. the next hour. And then you just, we couldn't see the future. And then the next hour, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, it's 20 hours, it's 22, 23. We just kept thinking the next hour. And I didn't want the same thing to happen as far as the epidural. Okay, let me get it now. But I did get in the bathtub and do a little bit of the water thing. So I, I remember that that helped me a lot because I had wanted to have a water birth with him anyway. That was kind of a thought process for me. Okay. So I, I, I did stay in the bathtub a lot with him and it helped a lot with me just not feeling it not feeling the pain as much I just it, the pain just wasn't I, I honestly just wasn't that bad I mean with right. his brothers yeah 
it just wasn't that bad. Okay. Okay. And it's um, interesting that you say you really focused on the moment. Like you weren't thinking about what was going to happen down the line. You kind of took it like contraction by contraction. Yes, ma'am. That's yeah. exactly what I did. And each one I would just breathe and I would just think about it. And I remember my ex was, and I think after like two or three asks, are you sure you don't want it? I said, no, honestly, I don't want it. I really don't want it. Right. And so I was like, okay. And, and, and also at the back of my mind as a, as a pediatrician, I felt I just wanted to join this tribe of women someday who will say they didn't get an epidural. I, I think that was a, also kind of like a, a Another reason why I was like, I'm, I'm going to try to do this so I can brag about it for all this work <laughs> down the line. Well, you know what? I had natural birth three times. I just wanted to be able to say that, you know, afterwards. Right. So that's my, and I use it to brag right now. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will say I try to encourage women not to feel like, I mean, obviously you should certainly be proud of what you did, but if you do decide that you get an epidural, then, you know, don't feel bad or anything no. like that for those of no. you all who are listening. No, no, absolutely. Uh, Go for it. It, yeah. it, it. it has its perks. Yeah, for sure. It has its perks. There's no, it's for, if, if you can, if you, if you can put it, get in on time or whatever, plan it, go for it. Absolutely. Why not? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then now with your third one and you're thinking that you really, really, really wanted a girl. And I had a little bit of this. I have two girls and both times I thought for sure they would be boys. I thought I wouldn't know what to do with girls because <laughs> I don't, I'm not very girly or that kind of thing. And now of course I can't imagine not having life without him. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yes. But what was that like for you in that process afterwards? And when you say you have full blown postpartum depression, I almost didn't want, I don't want to use the word rejected. <laughs> But I just, I was like, I don't really want another boy. And I don't even know why. I just, I think because I had already set this thing for myself, I'm going to have three children. There's going to be two boys and a girl. You know, you just say stuff and then you just kind of want to live up to them, not forgetting that it's not up to you. But I had said to myself, I was going to have you know, three kids. I knew I was going to have three kids. And then I wanted to have, when I had a second boy, I was like, okay, then I'm going to just wait a little bit. There was no, there was no, um, formula i just said i'm just gonna wait a little bit and then i'm gonna have my my girl i just knew it and so i put out the energy out there and i told a couple of friends and then one of them was like oh you know what there's this book i'm like eh, give me the book right but uh, it wasn't really anything i mean i you know you just want to dress up with your daughter you want to go shopping with them you want to you know the things that moms want and of course dads also want with their you know their daughters i just I just wanted a daughter, right? But right. I've made up. I've made up for that, and I have more than eight goddaughters. I'm okay. good. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it can feel frustrating because there will be times where you feel like you did everything right, you did everything like you should, and it didn't turn out the way that you wanted to. And it's true. Yeah. But my mom had to, you know, remind me that, okay, he came out, he was healthy, had right. no problem whatsoever, just came out swinging, you know, I think labor, maybe six hours, nothing bad. I mean, okay. she said you, you had, a, he's fine. And then, and of course I breastfed him. I mean, I loved him. I still love him, but I just, yeah. at the back of my mind, I was like, I really wanted a girl, but we had to quickly change that mindset when he came out and had a long pee, like, wait, wait, what's up? I'm here. I'm a boy. Okay. What's going on? I'm like, right. what? <laughs> Uh, now did you ever, you said you breastfed, uh, your third one. Did you breastfeed all three of your children? 
Yes, ma'am. I breastfed all three boys for 21 months each. Oh, um, wow. The, the, total, the total months were probably the 18 to 19, but I had enough milk to last until 21 to 22 months. For, okay. I had a lot of milk. So with the first boy, when he came out at day five, he developed a fever. So we had to go back to the hospital and he had to have a spinal tap because he had a high fever at five days of age. And then that kind of interrupted the, the, the process a little bit. And even though I hadn't made, a, I hadn't made a, any kind of like announcement to the nursing staff, I had just kind of said, He's bre I'm breastfeeding. I had said that, but I hadn't like said any, oh, absolutely no bottle kind of thing. Again, this was 21 years ago. Right. And they gave him the bottle. They gave him um, the bottle because my milk it had hadn't come in fully and all of that good stuff. And don't you know, this little guy got nipple confused. Mm. So I had to pump. I had to pump for 18 months. Wow. It was not funny. So when his brother came, there was a big sign there saying, do not, <laughs> no pacifier, nothing. Right. Um, because, um, yeah, my, my, and then I got engorged with him also. And then he was kind of a weird eater. He's one of those babies that, and I don't know why he did that, but when he's eating, if you make a sound, he will stop. And that's it. And this is my first child. Like, what? What is going on with this right, kid? Right. He would stop and that's it. And so I got engorged a lot with him. And one time I was, like I said, I think, you know what? I think that baby came soon after residency or something. I can't remember, but I had to go into the nursery at Howard. Actually, I was at DC General. I went in to see Dr. Young, our neonatologist, who trained me because I was just having so much pain. I had so engorged. And because I was engorged, he couldn't latch on because, you know, and then of course he already didn't want to latch on because of the nipple confusion, right. but even all my tries. So I went in to see her and she was like, oh my goodness. She pumped, she put in the industrial pump for me mm -hmm. and we got eight ounces out of each breast. I will wow. never forget the relief I felt because I, I had a fever. I was just shaking with the, 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 oh, I remember that. She was like, you, she said, you have, this is liquid gold. She said, we, we give us some for our preemies. I, said, <laughs> I remember you said that in the NICU then. She was like, oh my goodness, this is so much milk. I was like, yeah, I'm so relieved. It was, oh, I, still, I still feel it. <laughs> I still feel it so much. <laughs> Hey, so you made it this far in the episode and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favor to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy into Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. And that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. 
Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the all about pregnancy and birth community. Now back to the show. So when you look back on your three, which sound like pretty different experiences giving birth, what are your biggest takeaways? What are your memories, you know, you think about, about your births? I think I thank God. And I think I say this all the time to my patients. I thank God for everything from pregnancy to birth. I used to work out a lot. So I think that might have also helped with the just the tolerance level. For I exercised, sure. yeah. I exercised, I did probably did four miles up until each son was born, like the day before mm. son was born. I love to dress up. I would wear heels and boots and just fancy clothes. And I just, <laughs> I just wanted to enjoy my pregnancy and just be that, you know, and, and then I think um, with the last boy, because I knew it was the last pregnancy, we did this um, the portraits, something portraits, the pictures. Okay. We went and took the pregnancy pictures. And then if you do the pregnancy pictures, you get the baby pictures for free or something like that. I just enjoyed, I wanted that. And so even to this day, I have the picture just framed of the, you know, I think I was like maybe six months or something. Just, I needed to feel beautiful during my pregnancies. And so I did that. And so for me, I think it, it's hard enough. It's confusing. Your body is going through changes. But for me, I just said I was going to have as sexy, as beautiful a pregnancy as I can, so can so so I can tell my patients. So now I use each pregnancy and each delivery to counsel my moms that come in and are having, like if you have gestational, I say, oh, I had that. Right. Have a oh, I had that. If you have a blocked duct, oh, I had that. If you have, right. you know, nipple confusion, I had that. If you had, you know, difficult transition, I had that. You know, so I'm so thankful for everything that I went through with each pregnancy except maybe the third one, because I was advanced maternal age. At one point, I, I kind of <laughs> lost it with my OBGYN because she kept saying, you know, at your age, oh, you know, I, I said, ma'am, you know what? I'm only 36. I'm not the oldest <laughs> woman having a baby. <laughs> I know that's right. Four year old have a baby the other day, a 62 year old have a, come on now, give me a breath. If you say that one more time, I'm going to change doctors. And I told her that. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to change doctors. I'm not the <laughs> She always said, oh, at your age, we're going to have to do the 3D. At your age, you have to. I'm like, how old am I? I'm right, 36. right, right, right. And you said you were pretty healthy and active. I was very active, but mm-hmm. she just always said, at your age. She always said, at your age, at your age. I was like, wait, how old am I really? I'm just 36. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I think each pregnancy, honestly, each each one was put there. Even the boys today, each son has had different health challenges or not, but each one I've been able to bring back to my practice. And I just thank God for that. So as a doctor, I think that's what I take away from each pregnancy was a learning curve for me to help me later on with identifying and having the empathy that I needed and, you know, for my patients at that point in time. I have that same experience too. Oh, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Whichever trouble that I went through, with especially the preemie, that was challenging because he was early and he didn't want to eat. Like I said, he didn't want to breed. I've been there. So when I sit down and counsel that mom who comes for her pre, 
and prenatal, one visit with the doctor, I am just like pouring out everything from experience. Right. So I love that. It helps me connect so much better with my with the with my moms. Yeah. So as we wrap up, what were there any resources that you found helpful during your pregnancy or that you tell when you see expectant moms, any resources that you want to share that are helpful? Well, I have one that you don't want. The, the book that's called It's Your Body. You don't yeah. want that. It's not gonna do it. That's for sure. But other than that, no, I think that's the usual what you expect when you're expecting. I had that. I got that and I read it. And then there was one about moms and breast, the breast milk and medicine or some medications and breast milk. That was another one. Those two books I, I, I have in my, my little, even today. I think it was medications and mother's milk or medications and breast milk, something like that. But they have the old old editions of them, those two. Otherwise, I just, and now that, you know, with Facebook and all kinds of online virtual groups everywhere, this is probably one way to go. Find a, find a group on, online, find a mom's group, find a, a lactation group, find, a, you know, whatever you want to do and, you know, be vocal and learn as much as you can you know, for, for all it's worth, but right, exactly. I don't have anything special, nothing, okay, nothing okay. to go to. I just, just have fun with it. I did my best to have fun. I, I took a lot of sexy pictures. You know, I just, I just like things like that because I wanted, I wanted to take that myth from all pregnancy is drab. You're tired all the time. Your back right. is, you know, I wanted the opposite. I did not want that to be my narrative in my pregnancies. And so I made sure that I exercised. I made sure that I try to eat right. I try to drink right. I don't drink alcohol anyway to begin with, but I just, I try my best to do everything as right as I could, but also have fun with it. And as a woman, you know, I put makeup and just, I tried not to feed that narrative of pregnancy is, you know, uh, you're tired all the time kind of thing. I just didn't want that in my right. narrative. Right. Yeah. So if, and you may have just answered this question, but I ask all the women who are, who talk about their birth stories or what is one thing that you would tell other women as they get ready for their birth? Have fun with it. Yeah. Have, just have fun with it. You know, I mean, it's going to be 40 weeks, whether you like it or not. <laughs> so <laughs> just enjoy your 40 weeks. And I tell people, I said, actually, technically it's 10 months, not nine months. Yeah. Four weeks is 10 months. So have a blast. Take pictures. I love to take pictures. I, I'm also an amateur photographer. So I love to take photographs. But also, to I did my best to take pictures. And then I had my other, the older siblings were part of the process. You know, I got books and I read to them and I let them be part of the the laboring process and just, you know, they were always around, maybe not doing the actual birth itself, but they were always in the room, in the space. They went through that for all it's worth. And so they can see, you know, you don't just go to the hospital and then come back, you have a baby. I just wanted them to be part of it. Again, that was a personal thing. We also didn't have any babysitters, just me and my ex-husband. So we made it work. But I didn't want that case of, can you watch my kids and go have a baby? I wanted them to be part of the actual having the baby. So I was able to pull that off. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the listeners are going to learn so much from you sharing your stories today. So I really, really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for what you do. Um, as a pediatrician, I definitely appreciate this. And I'm so excited. Like I told you, I'm going to tell anybody that I know who's pregnant. I, I don't know that they have a, a podcast about it. You know, I was very happy when I saw that you're doing this. I definitely like that. Oh, can, thank you. Uh, 
Yes, ma'am. I, I really appreciate the support. So <laughs> where can women connect with you if they're interested in, you know, you said you're a pediatrician and I know you do some other things. Where can women connect with you? So um, on, on Facebook as myself, Uchena Ume, otherwise I do have a Facebook group called Teen Alive only because I, I'm now more like an activist, I guess, for, you know, against teen depression and teen suicide. So mm. there's that, that that's called Teen Alive, T-E-E-N, is it T-E-E-N Alive? And then I also have an Ask Dr. Lulu page, which because I do a Facebook Live every Sunday and we talk about just hot topics that affect teens, whether it be drugs or alcohol or dating, date rape or, you know, suicide, depression, right. bullying, things like that. I talk about those topics every Sunday. So Ask Dr. Lulu or my first name, Uchenna, last name, Ume, or my Teen Alive group. Um, if they have if they have children, if they want to learn how to raise teens, if they already have teens, if they have questions about teens, they have ideas about how, you know, how they kind of raise their teens. We're always welcome, welcoming, you know, good new information and people that want to just hang out with us. Yeah, perfect. And I will put all of that um, for the listeners. I'll put all that information in the show notes with all the links and everything. So you can click to things and get to her very easily. Well, thank you again so much for being here. Um, <laughs> I really appreciate your time. And I know the listeners, like I said, are going to learn a ton because you just provided such a wealth of varying experiences here. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All right. So wasn't that fun? Didn't you enjoy that? And doesn't she really truly have a great voice? It's like very soothing for some reason. All right. So after each episode, I give something called Nicole's Notes. It's my top three or four takeaways from the episode. So let's get into what my top three or four takeaways were for this episode. Oh, you know what? Before I do that, the medical term for what we were talking about, the excessive spinning, the saliva is called tylism. It's not harmful. We're not sure of the cause of it. It's just kind of a weird thing during pregnancy that we think may be related to the hormones. Okay. So here's Nicole's note. Number one, in her first birth, she talked about making it to being completely dilated and doing it without an epidural, even though she wasn't planning on doing that. Now that doesn't necessarily happen commonly, but it does happen enough. You know, it's something that I see with a fair frequency and it may sound like, oh, that would be great if I could just make it to being completely dilated. And yes, it is. But for some women, it's actually a bit overwhelming because it's not what they were expecting. You know, they were planning to get an epidural and it's like, whoa, do I have time? I can say that if you happen to fall into that category of women who progress through labor fairly quickly and manage things okay, and you get to nine centimeters or completely dilated and you did it without an epidural, even if you were planning to get an epidural, you can probably make it through the finish line and deliver without an epidural with some good support from your nurse and a partner. Getting an epidural that late, it very often doesn't set in, so you're not really gonna get the benefits anyway. So if you happen to be in that category and you make it to that point and you show up at the hospital or you, you get to completely dilate it quick, quickly without an epidural, consider just going through and delivering without it. I think you can do it. All right, number two. 
she went through a quick labor the first time, but the second one was 23 hours of labor. That's just a testament to the fact that every pregnancy and every labor is different. So you can learn from the experiences of your own prior pregnancy or other women's pregnancies, but every pregnancy is different. You can't predict how things are going to go. So be open to whatever happens during your pregnancy. The other thing about that second baby is she took that long labor one contraction at a time. She wasn't thinking about what's going to happen an hour down the line or that it's been 10 hours or 12 hours. She was kind of like, okay, let me get through this contraction and then the next contraction. And that is the way that you really need to approach it if you're planning to give birth without medication. Just take it contraction by contraction, one contraction at a time. Number three, she was upset that that third baby was a boy. She really was. And that happens sometimes that you may have things during your pregnancy that you're disappointed about, including the sex of your baby. But she was also able to find a way to get past it. It took some time and it may take some time. She had her mother to help her, but she got past it and still obviously very much so loves her child. So it's okay if you're disappointed, but you got to get past it and figure out a way to deal with it so that you can focus on being a mother to that child. And it may be from a friend or a family member or even help from a mental health professional that you have to do that. And then the last thing, she talked a lot about feeling beautiful during her pregnancy. And I loved how she said she took control of the narrative of her pregnancy. And I hope you do the same thing. Take control of your personal narrative for your pregnancy. It's your own experience and it can go however you choose. No, you don't necessarily have control over everything, but take control over the things that you can take control of and create your own narrative and your own experience as much as you can within your power. For her, that was really feeling beautiful during her pregnancy, dressing up, taking pictures, that kind of thing. So think about what you want to do for your pregnancy pregnancy and take control of your own personal narrative. Okay, so that's it for this episode. Let me know what you think in the podcast community Facebook group. If you're not a member, it's called All About Pregnancy and Birth Podcast Community. Just search for that. And I would love, love, love to have you as a part of the group and hear your thoughts about the show. Now be sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you feel so inclined, I'd really appreciate you leaving an honest review in iTunes. It helps other women find my show and I may give you a shout out on a future episode. Now, next week on the podcast, as I mentioned, we'll have the founder of Evidence-Based Birth. Her name is Rebecca Decker. She is a nurse with a PhD and she has some great information. She does lots of awesome work to help pregnant women and families and childbirth educators and all kinds of stuff to help women with pregnancy and birth. So I'm super excited about having her on the podcast. So come on back next week. And until then, I wish you a healthy and happy pregnancy and birth. Today's episode is brought to you by Women's Wellness Coaching by Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins. Head to ncrcoaching.com to check out my free one-hour mini course on how to make your birth plan, as well as my comprehensive online childbirth education class, the Birth Preparation Course. With over eight hours of content and a private course community, the birth preparation course will leave you knowledgeable, prepared, confident, and empowered going into your birth. Head to ncrcoaching.com to learn more.